Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about serviceability and the minimum income you need in order to invest. Now, this comes from two different stories, which I want to tell you. First of all, my partner, Kelly, has started listening to the show after almost 500 episodes. Thank you, Kelly, and thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe, Kelly. And we were walking along Mission Bay. I think we'd just come out of Burger Fuel or something. And she said to me, oh, I've been listening to the show. That's great, Kelly. What else should we talk about? She says, well, what's the minimum income somebody needs in order to invest? Is it six figures? Is it, what actually is it? And I said, oh, well, it really depends on how many kids, you know, you don't have any kids or we don't have any kids. So it's going to be less than somebody who had five kids, for instance. And then I thought, you know what? I could build a calculator for this. So while Ed was on holiday, he dusts off the laptop and pulls open his Excel sheet and here he goes. Well, and then I sent it to her. I took a screenshot and I said, this is love. I've built you a calculator. (laughs) (laughs) And now published it on our website. And we're going to talk about it. And this also comes from Matt as well, who said, guys, I love the show. I'd love for you when you give examples to include servicing information. And again, you know, the trouble is it does depend on how many kids you have. And, you know, it's not like deposits. It's really easy to be like minimum deposit is 20% if you, 30% for existing. But if you go to ANZ, it's 40%. That's the same for everyone. Servicing is different because it depends on the kids, the cars, how much you actually spend. But... The great thing about this calculator that I've built, and I'll give you the link in the show notes and things like that, is that it takes that into account. And I mean, one of the other issues with servicing and building a calculator is that everybody's on different tax rates. Let's say that you earn 200K a year, which is an awesome income, you know, well above average income. You're in the top 2% there. Well, you're taxed at a higher rate. You pay a higher proportion of tax than two individuals in a couple who both earn 100k each. So you'll pay a higher amount of tax even though your household income is the same as two people earning 100k. Do you know what I mean? So there are lots of different factors that play into it. But the great thing about this calculator is I've taken all of those out. So you can come in here. We're going to give you some examples of minimum incomes in a moment. But you can come in here and say, my personal mortgage is this. The gross yield on the investment property I want to buy is this. I've got two adults in the household five kids, or I think I've allowed you to go up to eight kids and I've got two cars, what does that mean? And then what it does is it it adds the tax back on after it's calculated the minimum income you'd need post-tax, adds it all on and tells you what that number is. But just before we go into some situations to show you how somebody's personal situation affects the minimum income they need, Andrew, walk us through the basics of these servicing worksheets. Walk us through some of the basics for first-time listeners, but also some of the hairy details that we probably haven't mentioned before. Sure. Now, we have based this off ANZ's current servicing criteria, and the reason we do that is because ANZ tend to sit around the middle of the market in terms of what their expenses are, etc. So generally speaking, there might be a, a couple of banks that might be a little bit more generous and some that might be a little bit less generous. So this isn't a one-size-fits-all. This is just kind of a general guide to give you an idea and get you thinking about it. So the basics are, it figures out that your current and your new lending 
any proposed lending is at a 5.8% interest rate and is all principal and interest, even though investment debt generally would be interest only. So it makes those two assumptions. Credit cards, revolving credits and overdrafts, they assume that they're maxed out and that you're making the minimum repayments on those. And then the stuff based on today, they look at living expenses. So there is minimum living expense criteria that banks have that they assume that it costs a family unit of two adults, two kids and two cars for example. And so in ANZ's instance, so for the first adult, it costs 1262 as the minimum expenses. And per month. Per month. And every additional adult is $616. For children, your first costs you $347 a month. And Ed and I were just talking about that, saying that seems a bit low. Remember, a lot of the expenses that you have exist whether you have a child or not. So it's kind of the additional food that they're probably eating. And then anyone with children listening probably thinking I wish and for every additional child it's another $347 for cars this is actually quite an interesting one so the first car they assume a monthly minimum cost of $328 the additional car is 164 and if you've got a third or more cars they don't actually count any extra cost to those because you know it might be a classic car that's set up in the garage that doesn't get used that often so it's interesting that the second car they assume a lesser cost to that and I guess that's probably more around the petrol side of things because if we're now a family unit, Andrew, you and I, and we've got two kids together, beautiful kids they are, then if I drive to work every day and then we go on a family outing, like the cars aren't used the same amount when we go on a nice long drive on a Sunday. Yes. We should do that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Walking through that, that probably gives you an idea of why servicing or the minimum income you need changes based on your personal situation. And just one thing to remember, the banks do look at your bank statements to validate these now. So you have to declare your own expenses when you fill out a mortgage application. And part of the responsible lending code is that they're going to go through those, check that actually you're accurate. So if you say you spend $1,000 on going out for food a month, but you go out for dinner every night of the week, and actually it's more like $2,000, they're going to work on the actual rather than the minimum. So we've based this calculator on the minimum. But just bear in mind, if you have some expensive hobbies like horse riding and can't think of any other expensive hobbies but you know you have all these extra things that you do yourself in your own life that's coming out of your bank account that is going to affect your serviceability. And what's important to recognise as well is say you went through the serviceability worksheet from a bank which is an Excel spreadsheet that's been souped up quite a bit if you put in a rate lower than their minimum expenses it defaults to the higher. So you might say that I'm one adult living alone and I don't have a car and you put in that your expenses are $1,000 per month, it's going to default to $1,262 because that is the minimum within there. But you put in your numbers and this is how it will start to change. So what we're going to do now is go through some situations to show you what the minimum income would be based on this calculator. So Andrew, talk to us about Mary. Right, so Mary is single and lives alone in her own home in Hamilton and she's 55 years old. So she's got a current personal mortgage of $80,000. She's got one car and she's got four kids but they're all over 18 so they're non-dependent children. So from the bank's eyes, no kids as far as servicing criteria is concerned. Now she wants to buy a first investment property worth $550,000 which earns over $500 a week so about a 5% yield on that. So the minimum income that Mary would require to earn would be $53,000 200 gross so before tax $53,200 per year 
and that assumes that the expenses that Mary makes are those minimum ones in that case. Now, the great thing about this, of course, is that minimum income is relatively low. It's actually not that high. Now, it's interesting because I was talking to one of the media companies about doing some property investment and property-related content, and they said to me, well, the thing is, Ed, property investment isn't available. It's not accessible to lots of people. And one of the things about building this particular calculator is I agree, it's not available for everyone, but perhaps it is more available than people would otherwise think because, of course, you don't have to pay the second mortgage yourself. The minimum income in this case, and of course there are some assumptions in this, is $53,200, which is below the median income, which is about fifty-five to sixty k. And I think people forget that, you know, whilst they can't afford, like in, in Mary's situation, she would never be able to get a mortgage of $630,000 for her own house because that requires just her to pay it down. But to get one that is paid by a tenant, that's far more likely to be approved. And of course, one of the things helping Mary in this situation is that she's got a relatively low personal mortgage of only $80,000 because she's 55 and paid quite a bit of that down. Now, it's quite a different situation if we go across the road and meet Geraldine. So Geraldine, and I've just made these people up, by the way. Very unusual name. I hope we're not naming our kids this that we're driving around at the weekend. <laughs> no, they're going to be called Andrew Nickel II and Ed McKnight II. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, they're girls. <laughs> it still holds. Now, let's meet Geraldine, and she's got a husband called Alfred. Now, they're both in their early 40s and both work in advertising. Now, they have two kids, Harry and Sam, and two cars, which is a Toyota and a Mitsubishi. That's it's what they've got in the garage. Deep on the specifics for this uh, one. <laughs> I have. And they're again based across the road from Mary in Hamilton. They've got a personal mortgage of $400,000. So what I've tried to build here is a kind of typical couple within their 40s, two kids, two cars, personal mortgage of 400k. Now they're quite ambitious. They would have buy an 800k investment property, 100% lending, that earns $730 a week in rent. So that's probably a three-bed townhouse in Auckland is probably what we're talking about there. Now, the minimum income that they need is $126,100. So more than twice what Mary had. And the reason behind that is that they've got the two kids, they've got the two cars rather than the one, and they've got a much higher personal mortgage. But again, 126k between two people which are kind of in not quite their peak earning age but they've been in the workforce for a long time that's about $65,000 each that they're going to need in order to be able to afford this property and that's probably doable if you're both in your 40s and both working in that case but now let's say that Geraldine and Alfred, they've decided that they're going to make some life choices and let's see how that would affect the minimum income they'd need so what happens if Geraldine and Alfred want to have another kid? Well, let's ignore that one of them is probably going to be off work for a little bit in order to be able to spend some time with their new child. But every additional kid they'll have is an extra 6.2K, $6,200 that they're going to need to find in terms of income to be able to support that lending. Let's say they take out an extra 50K top up on their mortgage in order to do some renovations. Well, they're going to need an extra 5.3k per year in order to be able to pay for that additional lending. Let's say they want to buy two investment properties, both $800,000, again earning that same sort of yield of $730 per week. They're going to need an extra $42,400 a year worth of lending. So they're going to have to be earning about 170k per year in order to be able to service that in the bank's eyes. Now, 
that might sound really scary because 170k household income is above the average. But remember, at that point, if they're buying two investment properties with 800k each and they've got a personal mortgage of 400k, then they're talking about $2 million worth of debt, which is a lot of debt. That's why you need the income. But in that case, again, that's probably 85k each, which might be doable if you're a couple both working in your mid 40s, you're probably nearing your peak income earning age. So that may be more doable for you. Now, I realize there are a lot of numbers floating around, but the key thing here is to start to get an appreciation of how your situation, the number of kids you have, the number of people who are dependent on you, and the amount of personal debt that you have and the sort of property you're buying that's shaping up to be, well, how much income, what's that minimum income you need in order to be able to start investing? And I just want to get across how the choices you make, whether having the additional child or taking out that additional top up, how that's going to affect the income you need. But I'm really proud of this calculator, if I can say this, because it puts it into your hands. You know, nobody's built a calculator like this that I've ever seen. And I really want to put that tool into your hands so you can play around with stuff and see how does this impact the decisions that I'm going to make? How does this impact the minimum income that I need in order to be able to do this. And actually, this has got some cool graphs as well, which walks you through, well, where's that money going? So now let's talk about how servicing improves over time. So one of the things to remember is that, you know, when you get your mortgage approved, you might only have a, you know, $100 or $300 UMI, so uncommitted monthly income. But over time, your rent's going to go up, but your mortgage isn't going to go up. Well, generally speaking, your mortgage isn't going to go up unless you change your own house. And so over time, you'll find that your UMI will improve, which allows you to then repeat that process if you choose to. And an interesting thing we did is we looked at how the gross yield changes the minimum income you'd need. And so going back to Geraldine's situation, if we use our 4.75% gross yield, so the rent $731 a week, the income required is $126,100. Now, if the gross yield of the rent drops to $577 a week, a gross yield of 3.75, that income has to go up by $9,000 to $135,100. And then, of course, if it goes the other way, 1% up, then the rent is $885 a week, then you only need $100. $117,200 of income. So it goes down by 9K in that instance. So again, this is showing you, well, how does the amount of income I need depend on the property that I'm buying. So you want to buy something that's got a pretty good yield because that is going to help you with your servicing. There's still going to be a drag on your income. You're still going to need to top it up in the bank's eyes with some of your income. So you'll need it there, but it's going to go down and that drain is going to be less. Now, that might say, well, should I just go and buy the highest yield property possible so I can borrow more? And of course, the answer is no, not necessarily, because something that's got an extraordinarily high yield may not actually be appropriate for you and your investing situation. But you're going to want to think it through. Now, what we are going to do with this calculator is I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover art. It's going to be in there. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. You'll find it in the calculators and quizzes section. and It'll probably have a title like minimum income or something along those lines. And we are going to make it better over time so that perhaps you're spending more than the minimum expenses. We'll allow you to plug that in so that you've got as accurate as possible a depiction of the income you need while still putting in some assumptions around it so it makes the calculator usable. Let's wrap it up there. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Mickle. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 